You're listening to Trek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Welcome, everyone, to the 602 Club, Trek FM's local watering hole, and I'm really excited to be here tonight. Uh, I got to tell you, the the mead is flowing like wine tonight. It's fantastic. I'm hoping nobody gets hammered. Uh, you know, Ruby, make sure you cut everybody off at the right time. Got to be careful here. Uh, and if you haven't figured it out, we're going to continue some Marvel because we have a huge film coming out this year with Civil War, so we're going to be looking at some more of the Marvel films, and tonight we're going to be looking at Thor, the first one. Not the Dark World, but the not-so-dark world. Uh, this is before it gets dark. The lesser um, dark world. <laughs> the lesser dark, that's right. <laughs> that didn't play as well, so like, let's just do Thor. Um, (laughs) well, before we dive in, of course, uh, everybody knows you can find, uh, the 602 club along with all of our shows at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. We are part of the Trek FM network here and we're a feature provider there on iTunes. So be sure to check us out. And while you're there, please do give us a star rating and review. Those really do help us out and help us grow as people search for podcasts to listen to about geeky things. And so we want us to come up. And so if you give us a star rating review, that'll really help. You can find us online at trek.fm. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, just look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. Of course, we're in the Babel Conference, and that is our listeners-only discussion group. If you're on Facebook, type Babel into the search field on Facebook, and you'll find us there, and we'll let you in. And of course, if you'd like to email us, I love getting emails from everyone about what they think about certain things or topics that they'd like us to cover, stuff like that. I've gotten some great show ideas from people like that. Go to trek.fm slash contact and choose the 602 Club. That'll come straight to me, and we will be able to converse and talk back and forth about whatever it is is on your mind. So... We're going to talk about Thor tonight, and uh, I needed some people to help me do that, and I'm so excited to have back in the 602 Club. It's I feel like it's been a little while. Andy, it's so great to have you back. Hi, thanks for having me on. I love to talk Thor. I am so glad that you do. I, I can't, you know, what's funny is, honestly, I really don't know where either of my guests are tonight on the film. I don't know what they think of it, really. So that's kind of exciting, uh, and back with us from Educating Geeks is Drea. Welcome back into the 602 Club. Hi, thanks for having me again. I'm so excited to also talk Thor. Probably a little less excited than Andy, but excited nonetheless. Well, you know, as my wife said, she's like, I I mean, if, if I like the movie, that's great. But I mean, at least Chris, Chris Hemsworth in the film and he looks great. So, uh, you know, uh, which I mean, he does. I'm, I can be objective. He does. Um, I mean, I'm just jealous. But that's a whole other type of podcast. Um, we're not here to psychoanalyze me. I wanted to talk to you guys about this kind of idea that, you know, the tale of the hammer. We knew Thor was coming because there were references in Iron Man 2. And obviously, too, Marvel had started to do that thing where they're announcing what they're doing for like the next 20 years. And uh, so we kind of knew going into this, okay, we're going to get the origin story of the God of Thunder uh, and I wanted to know what your first thoughts were. I mean, was this a character that you knew something about, that you were excited about? or What about you, Andy? Uh, I didn't know very much about him. I knew the basic bold strokes, but I'd never really gotten into his comics. Um, but I liked, I certainly liked the idea of him. I've always been really into mythology just in general. So uh, the idea of a Norse god swinging a hammer around and being a hero sounded pretty awesome to me. So I was on board. I like the concept. I've always liked the concept. What about you, Drea? Um, I wasn't super familiar with Thor either. I'd heard of him, had basic idea of, uh, of what his role was in the universe not intimately knowledgeable of his history or storylines or anything. Um, I was really excited to get a Marvel character that also had 
like Andy said, some mythological ties. Um, for some reason, whenever I see him, though, the Thor they've made him, I instantly go like He-Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, He's the master of the universe. Like, that's just the, the picture that's been put in my head. Um, so, But I was excited for something somewhat different uh, from sort of your science experiment gone wrong hero. Yeah, that is true. That is one of the things that Thor does that none of the other films really do is, you know, I correct me if I'm wrong, but pretty much every Marvel hero is a science experiment gone wrong, at least the ones with powers. Not all of them, but that's kind of the common story. It certainly was in the MCU up to this point. For sure, yeah. Right. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, we have Captain America, and he's not really a science experiment gone wrong. He's one gone right. They just don't ever replicate it. Uh, but, yeah, of course, Hulk is a science experiment gone wrong. And Tony Stark isn't really a, an experiment gone wrong, but he's also kept alive by science because if not for, you know, the arc reactor, he'd die. So, yeah, it is an interesting thing when you start to think about all the different characters and, like, which ones actually have innate powers, if if that's true. I mean, I guess the Inhumans in Marvel or the X-Men are really the ones with innate powers, and then everybody else that's kind of like, oh, crap, look what happened to me, stupid radioactive spiders. Um. <laughs> or some traumatic event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, uh, something like that. So That's what I really like about Thor, to be honest. I like the fantastical nature of it. You know, everything, I mean, it looks different, it feels different, the stories are different, and it's alien in a completely different way than we've seen before in the MCU. And that's what I like, it expands the world immensely, which is super cool. And when you think about some of the stuff that it brings up in this movie, it really sets the stage for a lot of stuff to come. Um, it just the the fact that Earth is not alone, basically, is something that we find out in this movie. And um, the world building is pretty cool. Yeah, I think for me, I'm like you, Andy. I didn't really know the character, but I love mythology. And, you know, I've always enjoyed Greek mythology and Norse mythology. And so many of the things that I love are based on that, such as Lord of the Rings, obviously. And then, of course, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and... So much of those things borrow from this type of mythology. And so the thought of a character who is going to be in the MCU at that point, you know, I, that was exciting to me. And so I thought, oh, this will be great. I, I should probably love this character. This should be my favorite Marvel hero because of just where he's coming from. And it's already in my wheelhouse. Like, you know, I already love Lord of the Rings and that kind of stuff. So this should probably be the character that I really dig, like that, you know, is going to be my jam. And, you know, I saw the trailers like everybody, and I remember going to the film, and um, at, I didn't really know what to expect other than the trailers because I'm not as big of a Marvel geek as I am a DC geek. Uh, I, I know much more about it now because of all that's come out, but... Yeah, this was something I was kind of excited to go into this one new and fresh. And, and again, it was kind of a lot like Iron Man for me because that came on the scene and I didn't know that either because, I, again, I wasn't the Marvel fanboy. Um, and, you know, the only one that I really knew was Hulk and uh, Captain America when, you know, like those are the ones that I was really from and, and Spider-Man. Uh, but, of course, you know, at this point, Marvel didn't own Spider-Man. Uh, and he was being done by another studio, so uh, we we don't mix those yet. The, they'll be mixed soon. That whole uh, thing is just a hot mess that gets me so angry every time I yeah. think about it. <sighs> it it is weird, um, and it, it, it's interesting to to know that if Marvel hadn't sold those rights as it did, they might not exist as a comic book company at all. Um, they sold those rights to to keep themselves afloat. And yeah, they sold them to whoever wanted them at a price they could get and continue to get money for uh, as long as they made films. So yeah, it is kind of weird. Um, they, are, um, they are lucky that Sony has been like, oh, okay, you can play with Spider-Man. So... So coming into this, I mean, we have this um, list of, of people, and I mean, 
we have some great actors coming in. I mean, we got Anthony Hopkins, Rene Russo, uh, still in Starsguard, Tom Hiddleston, Natalie Portman, and Chris Hemsworth. All that's our lead cast. I mean, that's that's a, you know, I I didn't know Chris Hemsworth much before this, but you know, he comes in, and I wanted to ask you guys. Okay, so he's the main character. And how do you feel like he pulls off the character and and really brings him to life? Because, you know, if, if he doesn't sell the character, you're kind of in trouble with the movie called Thor. I think he does a good job. He's uh, He certainly looks the part. And then also he does play it with this, this lovely humor that I like underneath it all. So even when he's like in the midst of battle, he still has got that twinkle in his eye that I think is kind of a, a big part of who he is. But he does handle some of the more dramatic stuff just as well. I think he's a good Thor. I concur. I think he does a pretty good job um, not knowing a lot about what he's supposed to be like. Um, the character that... He- I feel like they've written for him to bring to the screen. He does a really nice job with. Um, I think he does a good job with that twinkle in his eye that you pointed out, Andy, and a combination of like that arrogance. And like, I like how he's kind of subtly comes around to this new perspective by the end of the movie. Um, he comes from sort of like that, that transition into adulthood happens for him. Yeah. Spoiled child yeah. grows up. Yeah. As guardian puberty finally hits Thor, you know, so he can he can grow up and be a real man or a real boy. Um, Thor just strikes me as someone who has had everything come too easily to him his whole life. So, like, everything he ever did, he was good at. Everybody's always liked him and looked up to him. He's never really had to fight for what he wanted. And so that's why I actually think Odin is A-plus parenting here because he takes it all away and makes him earn it back, probably for the first time in Thor's life. And it really makes him grow. And that's kind of the heart of this movie. Well, it definitely, I mean, it's Asgardian entitlement. I mean, he is the most entitled character in this film. He just it's mine. Like I'm going to be King. And it, it, he reminds me of Simba. I just can't wait to be King and then go kick people's ass on other planets. Cause that's what Kings do. At least that's what he thinks they do at the beginning. And, uh, I agree with you, Drea. I like the way you put it. I think he plays the part as written very well. Uh, Chris Hemsworth does a very good job. Uh, for me, I kind of have a problem though with Thor as written. I think he's really boring. I just, I come away from this storyline finding him not the interesting character in the movie. Well, no, because um, he's totally upstaged by Loki. And Tom exactly. Wilson does an amazing job. And I think that's okay. I mean, I think that's kind of what you're supposed to expect. Like, I think the character of Loki is way more dynamic and way more interesting than the character of Thor. And I think they kind of try to switch that up in the next movie and it maybe doesn't work as well or the same intended way that they want it to. Um, I still think he has an, an arc in this one. I just don't think it's as interesting as the uh, super evil genius uh, who carries on through multiple movies and can make you love and hate him way more through all of these movies. Um, so if anything, they just needed to put a little more stock into that character arc. Um, but I, I think if anything, he just got totally like schooled by <laughs> Tom Hiddleston in this one. It's one of those instances where the villain becomes more interesting than the hero. Um, And that happens a lot, to be honest, because, you know, sometimes exploring evil is more interesting than exploring good. And all of the traits that we think of as good can sometimes be boring as well. Um, So, yeah, Loki is definitely a good foil for him, though. They kind of play off each other quite well. You've got Thor being this kind of straightforward, almost meat-headed lug type person, and then Loki coming in very subtle, very tricky. Um, I like the two of them together. I think they pull some interesting things out of each other. And and that was the thing that I was so surprised that obviously the movie's called Thor and so we're supposed to resonate with that character. I mean they want us to, you know, and I think they try and give him an arc that would help us get on his side. And I was just really surprised though. I feel like the writing for Thor is really poor and I'm really just going to keep rhyming apparently. Uh it, it's do the whole thing in a haiku. 
Yeah, it's that's sort of starting to sound like. Um, but yeah, Tom Hiddleston's character of Loki gets all the good stuff. Like they give him all the good stuff. You know, I mean, he has a much more dynamic character. He has a much more interesting backstory, uh, and he has a much more interesting arc throughout the entire thing than Thor. And so, like, it's frustrating for me to be watching the movie and be like i'm supposed to care about thor but i don't i just kind of want to get back to loki and see what he's up to you also forgot he has a much more interesting headdress yes he does nice horns Mm -hmm. you know like if if you can pull off those horns you know you've won the game so to be fair thor pulls off a cape so much so that vision steals it from him so i mean it's pretty hard to pull off a cape pull off a cape they're uh they're a bit dramatic they're a bit dramatic well and you know it helps when you come from a cape co- culture you know like thor does you know everybody wears a cape there so it's just kind of like the thing it's kind of like on krypton everybody wore a cape too so it's the most frustrating thing for me in the movie because what i and the reason i don't enjoy it very as much as is a lot of the other marvel films is that uh, half the story i'm not invested in you know, but half the story I am. So it's like, I only like half a movie, but Tom Hiddleston just, he's, he's so good. And he's so good that we are going to make him the villain in, you know, Avengers. Like he's that good. We need to keep bringing him back for things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, is Thor going to be in Avengers age of Ultron? I don't really care, but is Loki going to be there? That's just what I want to know. You know, like that becomes the question. And that's, that's, I don't know this this movie. It. What well, can I ask you this? So the movie seems like it goes really fast, and it's a short movie. It's not even two hours. So I feel like maybe if and and I'm, I'm trying to be constructive here in my criticism of it. If if Thor had had more time to develop, especially on Earth, I'm wondering if that would have helped. If he had had more scenes where it's a slower progression than kind of like that, like snap i'm a different person already i feel like he needed more struggles like he came to earth and spent a lot of time figuring out how to be on earth and being on earth helped him sort of learn how to be more human which is kind of i think what um odin was looking for him to do but he didn't really have any i mean he had to get his hammer back and he had to deal with being human. And that's about the extent of the actual struggle that he goes through from a character perspective. I mean, obviously he's got fights, but I just don't, I mean, I think all of those, those characters that he interacts with when he's here, um, the, I, I cannot remember her name off the top of my head right now. Um, the Natalie Portman's character, uh, Jane. Jane, yeah, and uh, all of them, none of them... Jane love Thor. Yeah, none of them have, like, a good, solid struggle and story. Like, they all fall really flat for me. Um, I think that we get a more interesting character line for some of them later in other movies, but even, even Jane's story outside of this movie, to me, is still very flat, and I just cannot get over someone thinking that Natalie Portman is this dorky, ugly little scientist that this superhuman falls in love with. Like, it's not a real... I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I can't buy it. You selling it? I don't I know that she it. was supposed to be dorky and ugly. She just was supposed to be a physicist. I don't think they treated her... Like, it wasn't like... I, I don't know, she's all that, where she has a scene where she walks down the stairs or anything like that. Like, <laughs> I love that movie. But that at least would have been something big. Like, that at least would have been a, a fully developed storyline if she had had these character attributes. Otherwise, she's just super focused on her work, but, like, she's not even that focused on her work. And, like, I, I just... I, she just fell super flat for me. The thing I like about Jane is that she is her the main value of her character is her intelligence that's something that i really dig i like the i like the idea of a physicist being a hero yeah i like the idea of a physicist but they didn't give you a physicist they gave you a model who walked around saying physicist stuff like she she didn't do anything she was just a love interest who happened to be a physicist like she she didn't do anything for me. Like, she didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't get over the fact that she was just there to be a love interest. And, like, 
she didn't really even participate as part of that. Like that was all him. They, I, I really, I, I like that you all are fighting about this because I can sit back and just let the ladies go at it <laughs> about whether or not the female character was good. And I can just agree with you. And then, you know, I sound like a genius. But I agree. I think that the problem for me, and I am with you, Andy, I like the idea that Jane is supposed to be smart and she doesn't really need the man or anything like that. But that's not what you get in the film. Like the moment Thor comes on the scene, she's already goo goo gaga over him. And it it really undercuts what they were trying to do. In fact, the best female character in this movie is Kat Dennings. Yes, she's hysterical and funny and acts more like a physicist, even though she's not a physicist sometimes, than Natalie Portman's character. It's just, it's a real frustration for me because most of the females in this film are are goo-goo-gaga over Thor because uh, Jamie Alexander's Sif is the same way. You know, she's supposed to be a badass and kicking ass and all that stuff, but instead what she really is is just looking longingly at Thor, who she doesn't have, and it's like, Guys, come on. And I, I think, and and I don't know, I think you would agree with me, Andy. Marvel has had a really bad time with its females and actually making them dynamic. Because I think they wanted Jane to be dynamic in the film, but I'm going to agree with, with you, Drea, that she does. She comes off very flat, and that's unfortunate. Um, so, I mean... She comes off more like people talk about Padme and the and the prequels than she does anything else. How does one act like a physicist? You said that Darcy acts like a physicist more than Jane does. Well, she is like when she says her like physicist lines, I just it, I feel it like more invested in what she's saying. And maybe it's because she's not the love interest and maybe it's because she isn't immediately just i mean she makes a joke about how chiseled and whatever chris hemsworth is but that's all it is she you know she's not like falling head over heels love at first sight you know that kind of stuff that's not where her character goes and so it's like maybe what i would have liked with jane is that it wasn't love at first sight for them that it was she had to win him over because maybe she thought he was a pig you know, because he kind of acts like a pig at the beginning. of You know, like she could she could differentiate between hot dude with his shirt off and guy kind of acts like a misogynist, which he does. Yeah, I wanted I wanted Jane to get a personality and have an identity of her own before we introduced her identity with Thor. And I think they didn't do that. They gave you her identity as part of her relationship with Thor, like. Like, and, and with Darcy, you get a personality who's attracted to Thor based on the fact that, you know, they're, they're just talking about how incredibly gorgeous he is. But at the same time, she still maintains her own identity. Her sarcasm cuts through everything. You know, she, she keeps being Darcy without, with or without those comments. And you're led to believe that she would have made those comments about any hot guy. Um, whereas with, Jane, she's instantly sort of head over heels in love. She feels bad that she hit him with her car, but like she like that's that's our first interaction is like she feels bad that she hit him with her car, not like we've got this big identity where she's this really infamous physicist who's done all these great things before and she's really career driven and we're seeing what that looks like and how powerful she is instantly like her power is taken away when we put her in a relationship with Thor and that's the only identity she's given in the film. Um, and to your point, Matthew, I think part of the problem we have with these women in these Marvel things is we're pulling from comic books. We're pulling from existing storylines and existing characters. And those were not written super strong for women. Those were not written with these women having their own identities. And I think it's tough trying to adapt those to a more modern time um, and still maintain the fact that our main character is a guy. And the reason Jane is there is in the comic book, she is his love interest. Like, it's hard to change that dynamic on the screen when that's the one that's written and that's the story we're going with. So I really wanted to like Jane. Like I really loved that she was a physicist and she wasn't like a model or a waitress or not that there's anything wrong with either of those two professions, but we've given her something that's in the STEM field, which is something good to look up to, but we give her something in the STEM field and then take her focus to be in love with him the entire movie. And that's where that sort of like the chair, you know, the train jumps the tracks, if you will. 
and I want to love her and I wanted her to have a stronger role even in the next film. But unfortunately so far, she just keeps falling flat time and time again for me. Um, and, and I totally agree that Darcy is a much stronger female character in this film for me personally. I think she's funny. I, I don't think that she has much of an arc. She's basically the same person from the beginning to the end, which is fine. She's a comic relief side character. Uh, going back to Lady Sif, I love Lady Sif. I think she gets one of the most badass moments in the movie, too. So that's really nice. Um, I would like to see her develop more. I would like to see Frigga develop more. Um, but I still love them as characters. I like the idea of these just awesome Norse women who aren't afraid to pull out a sword. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but they had to make her one of only however many people. Like, her being a woman in this role was a big deal in the in, in the culture. Like, she's one of, you know, ten people fighting, and any other time you see fighting in army people, it's only, she's, there's no other women involved in this culture as a female fighter, which both makes you admire her, and at the same time, um, it, it kind of makes you think, like, it, it makes you admire her to an extent. And at the same time, it, they had to single her out as the only one. Um, and I, I totally agree. She's totally a badass when she fights. And I love in the scene where they're talking about going, um, to fight the frost giants the first time when, right before Thor gets kicked out, when he's like, who, you know, who made you the number one female fighter or whatever. And she's like, um, me, like, I loved that part. That was great. Um, so I think there's potential for all these characters, but for me, they just didn't quite follow through on being a strong enough character for me to like be really vested in them. I think, uh, you know, just having seen Batman v Superman and obviously Wonder Woman comes into the film and that's a big deal. I think that that's the way that I would like to see more female characters introduced, especially more superhero type characters where they're in it for them. Like, Wonder Woman in that film is in it for herself. Like she's she's not revolving ar around um, any of the other men in the film as a love interest. She is a part of the film and a part of the plot for her own interests. And I think that's what I'd like to see more of in the Marvel films where the females aren't just revolving around the male characters for the interest of the male characters. Um, I think that's what would make them stronger. And that's what I was really glad to see, whether you like Batman v Superman or not. I thought the, the, the Wonder Woman character comes off fantastically because she is her own character who has her own motivations, and none of them have anything to do with being in love with anybody. Uh, they have to do with what she's driving at. And it's a really cool way to introduce a female character before, you know, and... Wonder Woman in the comics has has had relationships with uh, Superman, but she's also had a relationship with Batman and other characters. So she could have that later on down the road. But her first entrance is is not being a part of the relationship. It's just being introduced as an incredibly cool female character who is just as strong and is Superman and seems to be just as smart as Bruce Wayne. That's what I'd like to see. I think in in these Marvel films, I just feel like they haven't really done that as much um and that's a little unfortunate because jane could have been more like that in this film i think if she wasn't immediately in love with thor if he had to win her over and that's where i think elongating that section um where you were talking about drea giving more tests for thor on earth would have been better um because then he would have to basically prove himself to her win her over but also you're getting to know that character more, so you're feeling more invested in his story and maybe spending a little bit more time away from Asgard would have been helpful too because you forget maybe if you spend a little bit less time with Loki how awesome he is and how awesome his story is because he just has a really dynamic story about you know being lied to all of his life about who he is and always feeling different and you know never fitting in completely and all of these things you know that make him such an interesting character because so much of what he feels we've all felt at some point in our life you know uh, I look much more like Tom Hiddleston than I do Thor <laughs> you know well and I like I like with Loki that you almost have this like 
I don't know, recipe for a supervillain, right? Like, didn't fit in as a child, had these weird powers that he couldn't talk to anybody about. Um, turns out when he finds out what that power is, he, like, can harness it and do really evil things with it. And the eviler he is, the better his power is. Like, it's just this wonderful recipe for evil and for your supervillain that I just, I just love. It's, it's a cliche. It's been done, but I still, I still gotta love it. Well, I mean, two of the biggest stars in the film are Rene Russo and Anthony Hopkins and, you know, playing Frigga and uh, Odin. And what did you think about, you know, the godparents, you know, the parents that are, you know, kind of like gods uh, and how they, they pull it off? Well, they didn't give Frigga very much to do. No. <laughs> no, but I think innately Frigga with how nothing. little she had, she still was a stronger female character than any of the rest of them. Renee Russo is an excellent actress. Mm-hmm. She sold that. I think it's, I love Anthony Hopkins. He can pretty much be in anything. And it's, it's probably going to be decent. Um, I thought it was interesting him here playing this father. And I was like, he, they keep saying he's a great father, but he seems to play his sons off each other really badly. I don't know if that's the best recipe for success. Uh, but I think he plays the role wonderfully. And uh, again, you know, um, I don't know if maybe he was just bored during filming and they thought, let's put him into Odin sleep so he can actually sleep during the film. But, you know, again, both of those characters don't get a ton to do in the movie because they're kind of out of the action for a lot of it. And that was, to me, it was a little bit unfortunate because, I mean, you have Anthony Hopkins. I feel like I want him to be more resonant. But what he does do, I think he does well. And I think Renee Russo, she pulls off her role wonderfully. I've loved her for a long time and things like she's so good in Tin Cup with uh, Kevin Costner. Just fantastic. So, yeah, I really I really enjoy them in the roles. Um, I just wish they'd had kind of a more substantial role. I wish Idris Elba had a bigger role too. I yes, loved him as the gatekeeper. He was cool. He yes. was fantastic. And controversial because he wasn't white. Mm-hmm. Uh and so that was really an interesting thing and it was like it's kind of like changing Jimmy Olsen to Jenny Olsen and Man of Steel people were like throwing a fit. It's like it's a side character, it's fine. Just let go, you know. So um what then, you really need from Heimdall is you need gravitas, and Idris Elba yes. has that in spades. So, just standing there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you put a, a lot of different actors into that, and it's pretty hard to act past all of the trappings um, and still make it seem like he's got a lot going on underneath. And you do you feel like this is a guy who has a lot of power that he is just not using against people. You know, he's just kind of lying in wait. I I really love him as a character. He's great. And Idris Elba is perfect. He can act through, like, the eyes and the armor and the color. And he still has this presence, which just tells you how strong he is as an actor and as a character. And he's fantastic. And I love it. Loki versus Heimdall, especially the first one where they're kind of matching wits, uh, their first interaction is one of my favorite moments in the film where you have them kind of feeling each other out and Loki trying to figure out where Heimdall is going to come down on this and can he trust him to do what he wants and... It's really cool. It's really, really cool. And it's made even better because you've got such quality actors there um, doing a lot of subtle things. And uh, it's one of my favorite moments for sure. 100% agree with you there. We do have, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Lady Sif and we have the Thor entourage or as uh, Drea before we started recording termed it the Thor-tourage. Uh, and I... I like the the idea of these characters, but I'm so sad they don't really get too much to do in the film. Um, and uh, one of them literally just looks like he walked out of the Lord of the Rings as a dwarf. So, <laughs> so one of the shows I watched a lot in college was Chuck. Um, on, I think yes, it was on NBC. love Chuck. And it took me until the, probably the third watch through of the movie where we popped in a bonus disc or whatever and started watching the like behind the scenes or the about Thor or something like that. And I realized that that was Zachary Levi was one of the Thor-tourage. It took me so long. But it's long. not in this first movie. Oh, it's They recast him for the Dark World. Oh, is he only in yeah. the second one? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. but you can barely tell because the blonde hair. It's just you still can't basically... tell it's him. I know it's just pretty blonde guy with a sword. <laughs> pretty white throwaway guy with with blonde hair. It's pretty much yeah, pretty much what it was. Uh, and it's it you know they. That's one of the things too that I felt like in the movie. I just everything is going by so quickly that. I don't think I'm necessarily feeling the weight of some of the things that I should feel, you know, with his, his group, uh, his merry band of people. Uh, you know, there there's just, there's not a lot of resonance to it all. And I almost feel like somehow you needed to be able to slow some things down and dive into some more character beats with these people and these characters in a way that just resonates more with you so you really do care because... What I'm coming away with is that I'm not caring about who I need to care about. Uh, and since I'm caring more kind of about the bad guy, it's like, well, he's not going to win. And it's it's a real it's, it's just a real weird thing for me as I'm watching this film, uh, because. You know, you come down, especially like uh, they have that big battle with the destroyer, and I hate that thing. One, it's dumb looking. And it's just not a very good battle. Like it looks like it should belong in a Harry Potter battle. Like it looks like it's a, a chess yeah. piece from Wizard yes, it, Chess. There you go. That mm-hmm. like they're fighting, and it, it may, and maybe it's just because I'm such a Harry Potter fanatic that that just sat with me the entire battle, and I was like, "This is so lame." It's it's. It's a frustration, yeah. I don't mind the battle so much. I, I do like the the end, which is, you know, the whole point of Thor's journey where he finally kind of learns the lessons that he's been sent to Earth to learn. One, that um, you can't fix everything by fighting. Two, that, um, you know, he is not the most important person and that it's more important that you protect others and, you know, kind of the whole sacrifice aspect of things. Um, so I always like that moment where he kind of strides up to the, to the, I don't even what you, what, what do you call that? The destroyer? The yeah. destroyer. The big metal guy. I'm never a big fan of, of big metal guys, but anyways, um, and and kind of even without powers and just faces him down. I like that. What I wanted, and, and this was where it comes in with needing more, is because that moment for me isn't earned because I don't feel like Thor's been there long enough to make that journey. To have that revelation. Like, I Right. I want him to make that journey because that's the journey he needs to make. And I like that journey in stories where a character has to go from being, you know, the arrogant jerk to being the the selfless one, I think that's a really important storyline uh, to go from being the entitled character that the character realizes he's not entitled to anything. He's blessed for what he does have. You know, like all of that is fantastic, and and I know what they're going for. I this is one aspect of the film where I just don't feel like they earned what they're trying to do because it it's just moving too quickly, and um. The performance isn't good enough, or there isn't enough time spent on any kind of performance to really move it forward uh, in that direction. And that's just where I'm I, critically. I think if you had spent more time on Earth, give Thor some more journey moments, so that by the time you get to the the destroyer moment where he's ready to sacrifice his life, it resonates more more strongly like it, it feels like a more powerful moment because you've been on a more important journey with the character so i i feel like that's how you would have fixed that for me i think i agree i think that's a good assessment there or if that had been part of a smaller battle and he'd lost and had to deal with what it was like to fight a battle or he lost something to understand because they never really teach you the whole thing is, you know, fighting is not the only way, but they never really give him a lesson on what you can lose, like what the sacrifice really is. And like, he doesn't lose anything. Like he doesn't have, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it, they kind of half made him a journey and I don't think he ever really got there. Um, so because if he had, yeah, if he had almost died during that battle and had to move away and, and he doesn't get the hammer at that point, I feel like, then having to come back and do it again, um, you know, it doesn't have to be as long of a scene, but just Thor almost dies. He doesn't get the hammer then. 
you know, uh, and, and then have that kind of move forward. And I, I think that would have made it for a much better scene. Cause then he realizes that moment of him saying, I have to give my life for other people makes more sense. And it, and it really, you feel like that character gets what he's doing. Um, it just, it just happens too fast for me. See, one of the things I do like is the pacing in this movie. It moves quickly. I like it. It's concise. They tell their story. Um, I get where you're saying about fleshing it out more and in different ways, but it's one of the things I actually really like about this movie is that it doesn't slow down. It you know just keeps moving forward at all times. I like it. My husband would agree with you on that too. I'm a, I'm a Lord of the Rings, you know, long story, Doctor Who takes an entire season to tell you one story kind of person. You know, I'll, I'll read 500 page books to get my story. Uh, and he's a very, very, that speaks to him um, when you can get through the movie real quick, start to finish, good story in two hours. And he wouldn't get so wrapped up in some of the things I think maybe Matthew and I are bothered by. So I totally agree with you that there, that this is the right pacing for some people. Um, I think for some of us, uh, for me, it's, it's a little fast, like the, they rush through it a little bit, but, um, but I, I think, I think it speaks to maybe a different viewer. Well, I certainly enjoy epics. I once sat down and watched all three of the Lord of the Rings extended editions, one right after the other. Uh, so I, it's not like I, I don't enjoy that kind of long form storytelling. It's just that, I mean, this is at its heart a very simple story. Um, it's not anything. And it's also extremely archetypal. It's not a new story, you know? So in that way, I feel like you don't need to take a whole lot of time because you're covering themes and uh, character types that are, you know, some of the more classic ones. There's a reason they got Kenneth Branagh in here. This is classic Shakespearean stuff. This is classic mythology stuff. These are, this is the hero's journey, you know? Um, so in that case, this is a story that we're familiar with. And when it's a story like that, I feel like you don't need to take as much time because people innately understand this story. So in that, in that way, I think it fits for this particular movie. Um, and that's why I like how quickly it moves from point to point because you have a very specific journey and he takes it and and, you know, no, no plot time is wasted and we get to, to make it through and it's good. I think, um, there are, there are some time, some stories that need longer. I just don't think this is one of them. I think the problem that I have with it is that this is the same character arc as Tony Stark in the first Iron Man movie and kind of the same arc as Tony Stark arc in Iron Man 2. So, like, I'm seeing this same story play out again with another arrogant character who's having to learn his lesson about he's not the only person on the planet or in the universe, and he needs to care about other people more than he does himself. And I feel like at least the original Iron Man movie does a much better job of telling that story in kind of a fun, unique way that doesn't feel so archetypal, where I'm just like, I've seen this before and I've seen it done better. And I think that's the thing is Thor needed a way to tell the story. And I'm not asking for the movie to necessarily be longer. I'm asking for them to restructure the movie so that you have more time with Thor on earth where he we're spending that time, him learning some important lessons and find a way to make it a little bit more interesting than just the kind of person out of time or the person out of his, you know, comfort zone. Like he's, he's, out of space, out of time, literally, <laughs> in this film. Um, there just there needs to be something more clever done in the storytelling uh, to, to really bring home the point so that I care about the Thor character more in his journey. And I just, you know, it's just a... I, I, I think you can do that. I just think it would have taken uh, maybe a better director, which leads me to the question of, this is a whole new world. You know, all the other Marvel movies to this point have taken place on Earth. And this time we're going to visit, you know, Asgard. And we're going to visit space for the first time in the MCU. And Guillermo del Toro was actually in talks to direct the film. And he was a big fan of the comics. He loved the character of Loki. And he kind of wanted to have more of that Norris mythology in the film and really kind of do that 
what he considered the dingy Valhalla with Vikings in the mud feel. So he was looking to have this be kind of, I guess, a little bit um, more gritty, you can say. Um, but then he decided that he was going to direct The Hobbit, which later on he doesn't get to because a bunch of other stuff. You can listen to our Hobbit podcast to find out about that. Um, so they get Kenneth Branagh, who obviously, as you said, Andy, he's got tons of experience directing Shakespearean uh, features and, you know, with Hamlet and all and I mean, of the Plus stuff he's Gilderoy he's... Lockhart, so obviously. That is true. <laughs> So, of course, he's going to be awesome. So he speaks he to your Harry smile. <laughs> exactly. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, because this is a big deal, uh, building this world, because that's a huge part of where we are. Uh, how do you feel like they pulled that off in the film? It looks gorgeous. I love the design. I love the design of Asgard. I love the colors and, like, the rainbow. And, oh, man, the Bifrost looks amazing, just the whole thing looks phenomenal. I, I love, 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 love the design of this movie and the cinematography and the lighting. Oh, I could talk about that for a long time, but I won't. I will just say that it's gorgeous. A plus plus 10 out of 10 would design again. Yeah, I love I love how they what they did with Asgard. I like that it's a little bit of the old Viking with a little bit of some sort of futuristic society with a little bit of humanity. Um, I love it. And I love the color. They use color is so underrated in films because it's so based in reality nowadays that they did such a fantastic job with everything being so saturated, but yet bright. And it's just, I, I think it's amazing. I think they did a great job. I'm glad you guys liked it. That's really Matt speak I, for saying, like, I didn't yeah. really. I, but, I, I did it. But I'm glad you did. No, I am. I'm really, I really am. I'm glad that you guys liked it because um, this is the thing that I really wanted to like about the film was the Asgard and the, the otherworldliness and um, this idea that, you know, um, they are linked with the Norris gods that we know they are the ones who all the myths are based off of and um I wanted to go there and feel that and I just kind of felt like it looked like a pipe organ city um because that's kind of what it looks like and I just I I just doesn't it, it I don't know maybe it was because I felt like I saw Lord of the Rings and it was better um and I wanted it to feel I don't know a little bit more concrete and real. Um, and yes, I know everybody can write in. I know it's Asgard. It's not real. Um, but I just wanted it to feel more like a real place because everything else that we had had in the MCU to this point had been very real. I mean, because it's all on Earth, it's very, you know, and even Tony's suit, you know, because of the way that Favreau did it, he, it really felt like something that could almost exist. And then, I don't know. I just, it wasn't my thing. Um, and that's okay. But it's supposed to look fantastical. That's the point. Plus, uh, the interior shots and the, the costume design really sold it to me. Like, they, it looks like a place that people live. Um, I, would just, I just really love the design. I could watch that all day. Yeah. That movie could have been two hours of them just zooming through Asgard, and I would have been like, pretty. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I like that it's different so that you understand you're in a different place. and Exactly. You, you want to believe, it makes you want to believe it's real, like that this place is so beautiful. Like You really want to believe it's out there somewhere, even though you're pretty sure it's not you really you, you go wanna... outside and start yelling heimdall <laughs> open the bifrost <laughs> open the bifrost i want to go up there i want to go to there i just want to ride on the bifrost like it's amazing yeah i mean follow the you know rainbow brick road so um yeah I, it's i i think that for me i would have been more in love with with Guillermo del Toro's direction there, um, knowing him and his work with uh, Hellboy and with Pan's Labyrinth, I just, I feel like those two things for me uh, let me know that I think uh, just personally, I would have responded to his uh, Asgard uh, much more than I, I do what they do here. But it's okay. Uh, you know, again, uh, I'm so glad that, that people 
liked it, you know, and it, it spoke to you and you enjoyed it. And um, I do think that the costuming was very nice. Uh, I felt like that was well done. So uh, the, the Thor costume, the Loki costume, everybody's costume on Asgard is very nicely done. Um, and it feels very tactile and very real. So I really like that because, again, we've seen Lord of the Rings, so we understand what really good costumes with this kind of uh, appeal have. And this was just almost like a fantastical take on that. And I think that was really good. So, well, you know, the MCU uh, really starts to connect because, you know, we got S.H.I.E.L.D. in the film and uh, they play a huge role in this movie. And we're actually going to see a lot of those characters as we keep going down the line. And, of course, this is the first time that we uh, get introduced to Hawkeye. And so I thought uh, I wanted to ask you guys just how you kind of uh, felt that they worked that in. Uh, and did it work well for you? Meh. Um, they kind of were like, okay, here's this guy. He likes a bow and he likes being up high. That's basically all I got out of this because introduction. Because he likes it Hawkeye. <laughs> he likes to be high up pointing a bow at people. Okay, gotcha. Is that all I need to know about him, apparently? I mean, pretty much. That's all Jeremy Renner gets to do in most of the films until Ultron, and he's my favorite part in Ultron. Not my favorite movie that they've done, but he's great in Ultron. His lines are fantastic. Oh, nobody would see it if I did it right now. Nobody would see it at all. Uh, anyway, um, I definitely think his intro here is better than uh, Scarlett Johansson's in Iron Man 2. I, I think... Because it's understated, and it's just like he's kind of a guy, he's there, you know, um, but it, it's not like a big to-do, like, hey, here's the new character that you need to pay attention to, and we're going to use him to take away from the other story we're telling. They don't do that, and I really liked that part, so. So I love Agent Coulson. He's probably my favorite S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, person, kind of consistently. Um, I like the personality he brings. I almost feel like they've sort of ruined him a little bit for me with the TV show. The the less I knew about him, the the more I liked him. Uh, the less I kind of knew about all of those characters, the more I sort of liked them. Um, I, I get Matthew and I were talking about this earlier, and I, and I get why they did a Shield show, um, and, and it had potential. But I think for me, it may have um, maybe sullied that character a little bit. Um, and uh Hawkeye, I always I always have a thing for a guy with a bow. I don't know what it is. Um I'm with you there. <laughs> Robin Hood, yeah. you know. Uh, although, you Green know, Arrow character in in uh Legolas. I, I, not that one didn't get me for some reason. Maybe again cuz he's he's blonde. I think we're we're learning something here today, people. I don't like blondes. She doesn't like blondes. No offense <laughs> to anyone out there. Blondes are not my thing. Um but I I think uh I think even though as much as I love him and his character and I love the actor, I love Jeremy Renner. Um, I, I think it felt forced. It felt like an Easter egg for the sake of an Easter egg instead of a pivotal part of the, sh the movie. And if we're looking for ways to have maybe enhanced this film, you could have cut that out. Um, that whole sort of weird section with Hawkeye, which Hawk I, um, no, 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 no. It's Hawk Guy. Come on. Get it right. Or Hot Hawk Guy. Hawk Guy. <laughs> or Hot Guy. Um, That's Hot Guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, but with I, a bow. I think if you'd left some of that out and maybe tightened that section up a little bit more, um, you could have given Thor a little bit more of that um, on Earth arc that we wanted or made his, his part of that more of his struggle. Um, I think that was an opportunity. I would have been willing to give that up, that, that Easter egg up in order to kind of maybe bulk up other parts of the film. Um, so as much as I wanted to like it, I think to me, I felt forced and it was almost too vague to, you had to kind of know what was going on before you really understood who that was shooting from the, from the little like, you know, um, what do they call it? Dead man's watch or whatever. Maybe my two cents, but again, I'm never going to complain if you give me Jeremy Renner. So take, take that one back. Marvel, give him, give him his own movie. I'm with you though. Uh, in the sense that the Colson character, I, I like here, you know, I, I think, uh, he works better in smaller doses and that's why on the show, I, I, there was something that was lost because you started to know too much about him. And, but I here I think the shield stuff works. I, I personally think the Hawkeye stuff works 
um, where, you know, in Iron Man 2, when we talked about that, Andy, had, you know, it's Scarlett Johansson and um, the, the Black Widow character, I think they kind of almost maybe learned their lesson. So less is more. And, um, you know, his part was really going to come into play a little bit more when we got to Avengers. So, um, you know, just don't have him steal too much away. And so I, th- I thought it was good, you know. Uh, when it comes to doing a connected universe, it's tough because you do have to introduce things in other films for the most part before they come into play in, in other places. Um, you know, honestly, best person I've ever seen do that in any medium is J.K. I th- Rowling. Think, I think that's a really great point. I think maybe there are things that I take away from this film that maybe weren't my my favorite parts of these films. And of course there's things I'd like to tweak here and there and things I would have liked. But I think for me, a lot of these Marvel movies, I have to not take them as a standalone film. I have to to think of them as they play into this bigger universe and this bigger story arc. And there's so much of this that builds up to the second Thor movie and into the Avengers series. And, and I think once you sort of add those back into the mix, I think it maybe gives the movie a little more standing, if you will. Um, so I, I think that's with these, maybe that's my big issue with these Marvel films is I have to sit down and watch them all in the correct order together. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. So this is why we did that. That's why we did that. Everything is very strategic. Um, and, and I think that's maybe a, a big takeaway for this Thor movie is maybe I didn't particularly enjoy it as a standalone, but I think it played a really important part in the overall picture of what we needed to know in order to have a strong Avengers team and a good movie there and to go forward from there. For you guys, um, what did you end up thinking then for your your rating for Thor? And just as, as the film alone and what we get, uh, where does this rank for you guys? I'd give it three and a half out of five. I enjoy watching this movie. It, you know, it's it's fun. I like the characters. I like the acting. I like this movie, but it also isn't super amazing or anything like that if you're putting it up against other marvel films it doesn't stand out a whole lot but i think it's a solid movie and it's solidly made and i enjoy watching it uh i actually found out that because i rewatched it for the third time um and for this podcast and i like it the more i watch it the more i like it which is odd i did not expect that to happen um so maybe next time you talk to me, Matthew, I'll be giving it a four out of five. But for right now, I'll give it a solid <laughs> three and a half out of five. What about you, Drea? Um, I think I, I'm probably a little bit behind that. Um, I'm probably like, I don't know, 70% of the Bifrost at full power. Um, like like three out of five stars. Um Maybe, maybe not quite there. There's a few things that I'm still disappointed. Um, I wish there was more females talking to females about physics and less about Thor. Um, how, I mean, however, this is not physics, the Thor story, it's Thor. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely some room for improvement and I agree. It doesn't really stand out on its own and the main character's blonde. So, you know, Loki, Loki's and that gives right it the there three. automatically knocks it down a half star for Drea. Yeah. She just can't let that blonde hair slide. It's just, I'm so prejudiced hey, against these blonde pretty men. I'm so sorry. Well, I love you out there. At least you can admit it. At least <laughs> I think you they'll can survive. Um, There's plenty I, I'm pretty of women sure out there. That, I'm pretty sure that yeah, there are plenty true. of people that are completely fine with blonde pretty men. So uh, Thor, I think Loki's what gives it the couple of stars there. Um, <laughs> he's He's the, you know, two and a half of the three stars. Um, so, <laughs> oh man, oh gosh, I have loved every minute of this. Uh, you guys have been fantastic at talking about this, and uh, for me, Thor is um, well, both of the Thor movies are at the bottom of the list for me. Uh, when it comes to Marvel films. Uh, of all the Marvel films that we've had, the MCU, this is just at the bottom. Um, and I I just, uh, to me, he is Thor the boar. I, I don't enjoy the character, unfortunately. It's not what I, I ex- uh, it's not even just what I expected, because I didn't know what to expect when I saw the film. And, and I, I'll say this, um, and I was telling this to Drea, before we started recording, and I was th- saying, you know, I, I watched The Incredible Hulk, uh, I talked about that with Mike Schindler a few weeks ago, and uh, I remembered not liking that movie when I first saw it, 
and I was really kind of dreading seeing it again. And so I went in thinking, okay, well, I'm going to try and put aside everything I know, and we'll see how it goes. I ended up liking that movie a lot better than I remembered, and uh, thinking it's actually a pretty good movie. Um, well, there aren't any blonde guys in it, so there are not any blonde. Well, no, this no, is uh, the Edward Norton uh, one. So in fact, Edward, Edward Norton. Norton's so blonde. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of blonde in the movie. He's more of a dirty blonde, so maybe he, he, he can get away with it for Drea. Me. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, luckily he turns into the Hulk a lot, so she doesn't have to see the blondes. So, um. But so I, I hoped the thing I, I went into Thor again because I haven't seen it in a really long. In fact, I don't even think I've seen this since it came out in theaters. And I thought, OK, I'm going to go in and hopefully this will show me something that I just didn't see the first time. And I really wanted to, to have that happen. And it just it didn't. Um, and I finally I think I actually saw some more issues than I did before. So honestly, to me, this is just two out of five sword fights <laughs> or hammer fights or um it's it's just not a very good or entertaining film and part of that is that i don't enjoy the main character but i sure do love the villain and i'm glad they brought him back for more stuff and continued to kind of give us less thor at least until we get to the dark world so um yeah but that's okay you know what i love is that for every comic book film you're gonna have people who love it and it's their favorite and, you know, some people will just won't work for it, and some people will be in the middle, and that's just the way it goes. And I'm so glad we got an opportunity to talk through the film, and I think do it constructively about some things we liked, things we didn't like, and where we fall in it. And I can't wait to see what everybody thinks uh, as we talk about it on the Babel Conference and all over Twitter and everything. So thank you so much to Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson, who are our associate producers through Patreon, and, and they help make sure that the show keeps coming to you each week and uh, all the supplementals we do and everything else, the, the Star Wars feed that we have as well. Really appreciate that. Uh, we are a listener-supported network, and that means that we need your help to make sure that all the content from Trek FM keeps coming to each week. We have, like I said earlier, 20 different feeds. We have special feeds. We have so much going on in the network here, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Star Trek and beyond. And, of course, beyond, beyond with the 602 Club, where we talk about all these other fandoms. Go to patreon.com slash trekfm. Just see how you can become part of the team and make sure that all the content keeps coming to you with the best quality that we can keep bringing it to you. So thank you so much to everybody who's gone there and done that. And uh, we encourage you to go there if you haven't and just see how you can help us out. And I'm so glad to have had both of you here tonight. It's been fantastic. Andy, let everybody know where they can find you online uh, and about the podcast you do before we let you go. Sure. On Trek FM, I'm one of the co-hosts of Women at Warp. The easiest way to find me online is my Twitter account, at First Time Trek, where I'm live tweeting my first time through Star Trek. Andrea. Love that you were here. Uh, love the fact that um, we have such a great partnership with Educating Geeks. So let everybody know about the podcast you're involved with and where they can find you online as well. Uh, sure. Um, I, As Matthew mentioned, I'm one of the producers for Educating Geeks. Um, our two executive producers um, are pretty fantastic. We're mostly female. A couple male voices added recently, and we like to have guest hosts. So we've had Matthew um, and a few others from the Trek FM network join us for podcasts before. Um, so we have a couple of different podcasts that we put out. Um, we do a traditional Educating Geeks podcast where we educate um, someone within our community on a new topic, um, whatever, movie, game, anything geeky. Um, we try to kind of cover all the bases there. Um, and the subs we can't podcast that it's a drinking game rules uh, for the topic. Um, and then one of our hosts, Bree, uh, one of our other producers, she does uh, all the Trek, uh, which is an introduction very similar to what Andy does. Um, first time viewer of uh, Trek, of all the Trek. She's starting season three of Next Gen here pretty shortly. So uh, you can find us at educatinggeeks.com or educatinggeeks on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and then me personally, I'm at PCFChick on Twitter. Well, you can find me on Twitter as well at MattRushing02. You can also find me doing The Orb here on the network with Chris Jones. We're talking about Deep Space Nine. And then I'm on Literary Treks with Dan where we're talking about the books, comics of Star Trek. And, of course, we also interview authors, which is a lot of fun. So I hope you'll check that out. Uh, I also do a podcast with my friend John Mills. It's called Aggressive Negotiations. You can find that on thenerdparty.com or on iTunes. It's a Star Wars podcast, and we have a great time 
talking about a fun new topic each week within the Star Wars universe. Uh, something that people here at the 602 Club might like, and a lot of my hosts are on this website, like John Mills, Mike Schindler, and others. Uh, Letterbox.com is a great place to catalog all the movies you watch, create lists, and see what other people are watching. It's a lot of fun. I love it. I use it all the time. And I'm MRushing02 there, so check me out there and all the other people that have been on the show that use it as well. It's a lot of fun. And uh, for me, it's a great way for me to remind myself things I want to watch or things that I have seen and kind of what I thought about them. So, And, of course, uh, I have my own personal blog at 42lifebetween.wordpress.com. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? You hear?